Let's open up a little light this morning, shall we? What's, um, what's the date today? Is it 127? Let's take a look at Psalm 127 then. Why not, huh? Uh, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 127. It, uh, Dave Beatty pointed that out to me after the first service this morning. He said, hey, did you pick that verse because today is 127? I said, no, I had no idea. But uh, it is the next favorite verse in our little mini-series here of favorite verses that we're looking at. Uh, another one uh, that many of you emailed in. And um, we'll begin just by reading through the verse. In fact, I'd like to read the whole psalm in its context. And uh, would you stand, please, um, as um, I read uh, God's words um, Psalm 127, listen to what God says. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offering a reward from him, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the quiver of a, in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And then back to our key verse this morning, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. The very words of God. Amen? You may be seated. Um, of particular note um, of this psalm, it's... Um, it's one of only two psalms that we know for sure was written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Psalm 72 and this here Psalm 127. And uh, bring that to your attention because knowing that Solomon is the one who wrote this, I think it gives us deeper insight um, into its message. For starters, the man who wrote, unless the Lord builds the house, was the one charged with building the house, uh, God's house, the temple. And um, so he knows a little bit uh, about uh, building houses. And if you recall, the reason Solomon was chosen to build God's, build God's house, because his father, King David, who desperately wanted to build God's house, God said, no, David, I'm sorry you've got too much blood on your hands, too much death associated with you, and so let's have Solomon do it, presumably then because God didn't want such death and bloodshed associated with the place where his presence would um, especially dwell in spectacular fashion uh, for the next thousand years or so. But there's more here about Solomon's story that has to be told in light of this psalm uh, beside the fact that he built God's house because we need to hear and remember the rest of Solomon's story because Solomon's story didn't end very well. 
to say the least. Oh, Solomon had such a great start. When God asked him what he wanted, Solomon made the amazing choice and said, God, give me wisdom. And God was so pleased with that choice that God gave him unprecedented wisdom. And Solomon's reign flourished. And as Solomon started off loving the Lord, the Bible tells us. But then things began falling apart. Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter, something that God's law prohibited. And in fact, Solomon married many foreign women. And God had told his people no, if you recall, because God knew that a spouse's um, other gods that they worshipped would be um, too tempting and, and, and would sway even a believer's heart. So God said, don't. But Solomon did it anyway. And by the time Solomon was through, um, boy, could they all come to a love and respect conference. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Sex only. That's a thousand women. The palace must have just been quite a place. Because that's what all great ancient monarchs did. And, and God was right, as always. Solomon began participating in, got caught up in all of his many different wives' worship of their other gods until he was worshiping them too, until he no longer followed the Lord. And all the while, he's building God's house because he was more qualified than David. Very early, Jewish rabbinic tradition and history even holds that Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter, get this, he married her on the same day that God's temple, his house, was dedicated. Ouch. One source says the, the noise from the celebration of Solomon's wedding reception was so great it drowned out the celebration of the rest of the Israelites dedicating God's temple. Oi, Solomon. And the rabbis say that the moment Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter, that clinched it. That clinched the entire kingdom dividing on Solomon's death which, of course, is exactly what happened. And his marriage set Israel walking straight down the path to utter idolatry, destruction of ten of the twelve tribes, and exile for the remaining two, Judah and Benjamin, which also happened. All because, ironically, Solomon lost sight 
of the very message of his own psalm. That anything we do without God is absolutely futile. My Bible has the theme of this psalm listed as life even without God is senseless. Or as our verse puts it, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And it's correct to take the building of a house or watching over a city as a metaphor for all of life, especially in the context of family, because we know that more than just the work of our hands, like building a literal house, is on Solomon's mind because he takes us next to the house and city of a family of raising children and what seems like almost an abrupt change. Some even think this is two psalms pushed into one. Um, But I don't think so. It fits if you get into the heart and mind of Solomon that building is just, you, you don't just build a house, but you build a home. And Solomon's message there too, without God, it ultimately will amount to nothing. I can't help but wonder, when do you think Solomon wrote this psalm? Before it all started falling apart? While it was happening? Maybe after? And as this psalm rather abruptly turns to children, there's another even more famous Bible story about work and children in close connection that comes to mind. One I suspect was on Solomon's mind when he wrote Psalm 127. What other famous story in the Bible, very famous story, puts together building a house, or in other words, puts together work or toil or the labor of our hands in very close connection to children and offspring. What other very famous Bible story? Any guesses? How about Genesis 3? Recall, there, God's talking to the serpent and to Eve and to Adam after Adam and Eve forget about God by uh, choosing their own way. And so in Genesis 3, God comes to curse the snake who tempted them and to warn Adam and Eve and us what life's going to be like now because they've tried to do life their own way and forgot about unless the Lord. So God says to Adam, because you choose to do life on your own, Adam, without me, your work will be painful toil. And by the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until... You return to the ground. Without me, Adam, let's face it, you're simply dust. Or in other words, unless the Lord builds the house, Adam, the builders labor in vain. Early rabbinic resources that go very uh, very far back. Um, guess what the symbol, at least, of uh, sin, especially for a man in that day, was? What was the colloquial saying of, boy, are you really wrestling or struggling with sin right now? You know what the phrase was? The symbol was sweat on your brow. Lifted from Genesis 3. And every time a person would wipe his head, see the sweat on his brow was supposed to be a reminder that, ooh, 
Am I trying to do this on my own? Or do I need to be on my knees singing, Hoshana, save me? Check out Psalm 127, verse 2 in this connection with Genesis 3. In Psalm 127, verse 2, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. That's the same phrase, isn't it, right out of Genesis 3. And then God says to Eve in Genesis 3, Eve, because you choose to do life without me, Eve, having children, and the Hebrew there includes raising children. It's not only the, uh, the painful part of giving birth, and that's painful enough, but child rearing is a better translation in my opinion. Eve, because of how I put together, put you together as woman, you especially, if it's going to be really painful for you to be a mom watching your children grow in a fallen world. And, and Eve, the relationship with your husband is broken now. Family is deeply affected, Eve, when you choose to do it on your own. And so work and children and close connection in Genesis 3 where it all first went wrong. And in Psalm 127 where it went wrong for Solomon. And in Genesis 3, the success of, of both work and children relying on doing life with God. Just like in Psalm 127. And if we're not convinced of, uh, however, in an unintentional perhaps tie between these two chapters, Genesis 3 and Psalm 127, what's the very next story in Genesis Right after God warns Adam and Eve that their work and their family life are going to be painful, choosing to do it out there on their own, what's the very next story in Genesis 4? Cain and Abel. Mom and dad forgot about God. And the next story is one of their boys killed another boy, killed his brother. And Cain is sent away. Adam and Eve lost two boys that day, not just one. It all fell apart. Because they forgot, unless the Lord. What about you and me? Are we remembering God in our work and in our families or... If you're like me, do you try to uh, largely uh, do it on your own sometimes? Are we forgetting too, uh, unless the Lord sometimes? I shared with you last week about my work here, um, my work, speaking of work, as uh, your teaching pastor and, and God's direction um, for me, uh, Todd, um, Teaching part is going all right. Pastor part, you need to get to know your sheep better. And so um, this morning I stand before you after a week of trying to do that, tired. <laughs> and I've learned, but you know what? Tired and blessed. Because um, I'm a better pastor this week than I was last week because I know more of your names and I know some more of some of your stories and 
I learned some things about the different classes. Uh, even after a week, I could write a book about you guys. <laughs> I learned that if you go to the Kairos class, boy, you better be there right at 9. You know, home builders just kind of wanders in and how you doing? So I stroll into Kairos and, you know, they're finishing the prayer. And... Um, so I, I learned that about, uh, and, you know, next time, guys, I'll try to be there on time and be able to talk to you some more. But I visited different ministries, and um, it's different. It's a change for me. And uh, uh, this psalm, too, uh, speaks to me where I am with that, unless the Lord follow his leading there, Todd. But uh, our psalm uh, this morning... Um, push me harder in another direction, one that's related. God does that sometimes, doesn't he? And that is not only to keep looking at my work, uh, but especially to my family. They're so hand in hand. And especially in this psalm, uh, my kids. You can't really uh, help reading this psalm and hearing about work and kids and not see a connection, right? The connection between working hard and And kids, in vain, you rise up early and stay up late and toiling for food to eat. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Hmm. I wonder if the psalmist, if Solomon anticipates, watch out between those two. And I started thinking about how much time do I really spend with my kids? And how much of that would I call quality time? You ever stop and think about how much time each day? You know, I start out thinking, well, how many hours? And then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, hours is too big a measure. I had to think in terms of minutes. Well, and that's just pathetic. <laughs> Here's a homework assignment for you parents. Keep track this week how much time you're spending with your kids. Look at that number of minutes at the end of the day and at the end of each week and ask yourself if you're satisfied with that number. I'm not. For me. I know I need to spend more quality time with my kids. With one gone to college and um, the next one on her way this fall, Jill and I are especially feeling that these days. Peter, our youngest, you still have four years of high school to go, right? And you can't wait to have mom and dad solely focus on you, can you? (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, Pete, honestly. All Peter thinks is, hmm, more chores for me. It's gone from being divided by three to divided by two to divided by one, right, Pete? No. You know, Jill and I have done some good things um, with our kids. Um, as I try to self-assess, uh, um, I think I'm probably a better dad than I am a pastor at this point. Yesterday I was at, uh, was at church um, working on today's message yet. And um, I was behind because of all the time I got spent trying to get to know you guys. No, I'm just. <laughs> Suddenly it's 2.15, and I know if I want to go see Danny's basketball game, I, I need to get over to the school. And I stared at my open Bible on my 
desk, I stared at one, Psalm 127, and it stared back at me. <laughs> and I thought, just kind of ticking off in my head, it's like, well, okay, what uh, do I need to do yet uh, to be ready this morning? And um, I wavered. And uh, it's a really good thing that our team mom had strong-armed me into running the scorebook and the clock for the game that day. As any good team mom will do. She's a dear friend. And that helped me decide, uh, you know what, I need to go. So I left my uh, desk, left my office, roared over to the school. It was a great game. We won. Danny played great for a change. You know the only reason I can kid about that is you always play great. So, <laughs> Sorry, I can't resist. She's like right there. <laughs> and um, afterward, hurried back to my office, settled down in my chair, and Psalm 127 was still there. And um, the thoughts of you um, being here today, this picture was still there. And... Um, Side and um, then I did one of my favorite things. Um, I procrastinated. Just for a few seconds to dash uh, Danny off a text about some things, including great game. And then I turned back to my work. A few minutes later, um, my, uh, the, you know, my, my little uh, text, I call it my text whistle, um, announcing that a text has come to the phone, right? This is not an iPhone, I'm very proud to say. Um, no, you have to have been here for a while. I've been joking about uh, not wanting to be sucked into the iPhone kingdom. So, but, um, and my little whistle for a text is, you know, do 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 Only it's like, I can't whistle very well. And, you know, like Pavlov's dog, you guys know Pavlov's dog? Anybody over 40, maybe. You still study Pavlov in school, you guys? Ryan Long just texted me. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> I said, where are you going with this? Wrap it up. <laughs> no, actually, he just said hi. You couldn't resist. Huh? You guys know Pavlov's dog? It's still famous, right? That's the dog conditioned response. The bell rings and the dog does something, right? What do he do? Eat? What? Oh, salivated. Oh, I don't know Pavlov's. But our cell phones, right? Where is it, right? You just. So I pick it up and. Um... <laughs> this is the text I got back from Danny, and I saved it. And I might save it forever. Thank you so much, Dad. It means so much to me that you are always, all caps, there. Smile face. That was the best part of my day yesterday. And up there, 
on the list of week, month, life. <laughs> why, why is that? Is it because children are a heritage from the Lord and his reward and blessing? And oh, I'm so glad I went to the game. You didn't know. Even if it means this sermon stinks, Ryan. Never. Jill and I have done some good things with our kids, but even if I've been a pretty good dad, you know, um, I don't want to be a pretty good dad. I want to be a great dad. I want to be the best dad I can be um, with the Lord. And with the Lord, I can be a pretty darn good dad. Isn't that what you want, parents, grandparents? If you don't have kids um, and you work with them at all, isn't that what you want? And while cheering them on at things like sporting events, I think is important. I really want to spend some more quality time with my kids. And for me, what that especially means, time where I listen more and talk less. That's tough for me. Can you imagine? <laughs> and um, ask questions instead of always suggesting answers. You've probably heard versions of this little story that I'm about to tell before, right? An elderly couple or, um, or a person is asked late in life um, um, if you could go back, uh, what do you wish you had uh, spent more time with? Uh, which do you think would be the more popular answer? Boy, I wish I had spent more time working or boy, I wish I had spent more time with my kids. And the only hope I have of being a better dad, unless the Lord, and I'm constantly on my knees, knowing my need, but not just knowing on it, acting on it, still striving. This isn't a verse that tells you to be lazy or it's not important to work hard. But it's a verse that comes in support. And what's behind it is grace. I don't want you to leave heavy burden today. I preach a sermon like this, and I got done up to this part, and I thought, oh, gee, everybody goes out thinking, that's just great. I suck as being a parent, and I got to do this better, and I got to do this better, and I got to do this better, and unless the Lord, and boy, am I, I got to spend more time with him, and I thought, pray, yeah, okay, okay. By grace, in Christ, with just the smallest amount of effort, he'll come and he'll pick that up, and you can do this. We can do this and succeed in being the best pastor, the best parent, the best husband, the best wife that we can be. If we don't give up, never let go, keep going, knowing that by grace we can attain this because it is the Lord that will give peace and shalom and rest and success to those he loves. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this reminder that it's you and it's all you. Thank you for the lesson again that we've heard before, I think, that when we are weak, you are strong. Help us not only to hear it, Lord, but to live it, 
It's a big step from knowing and doing sometimes, as you know, Father, with me. Give us the humble strength to do that, not on our own power, because we'll fail if we keep trying it on our own. But open ourselves up to your power in giving us the strength to put ourselves last and you and others in our lives first. Please, Father, help us to love you by loving others in that way. Father, we love you, and we ask this in Jesus' matchless name. And all God's people said, hey, before I go, before I let you go, um, I gotta let you know something that's coming next week in Sunday morning service. You gotta say, oh, what? I could tell you, but I'd rather show you. Let's watch. week to find out. And bring a friend. In fact, bring both your friends. What, would you stand, please, uh, for the benediction today? It's from Moses uh, and from the Apostle Paul, so it must be a good one. It goes like this. Many of you have heard it before. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace, his rest, his shalom. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.